0: Hello and welcome to the Trainer Tools podcast. I'm John Tomlinson and I'm here with Robert Kirby from People People. Hello, good to see
1: you, John. I'm very well, thanks. Yeah, how are you?
0: I'm, uh, yeah, I'm okay, I guess. It's a hot, sticky summer day, which by the time I've edited this will probably be a freezing winter day. Yeah. By the time anyone actually listens to this, but (laughs) you're coming through loud and clear, which is important because your expertise is in voice. So... Hopefully, your voice sounds pretty good on this podcast for people. If it doesn't, I promise you that's my technical fault, not Robert's fault.
1: Well, it might be my fault, but if we blame it on the technical fault, then...
0: I was giving you an out then to blame the technical thing. I have to make my cues a little bit more obvious. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) This isn't something that I think about very often, to be honest. I mean, obviously, I do podcasts fairly regularly, so I am conscious of my own voice. And I have tried, because my natural voice, I think, is probably more nasal. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, then I've and I've tried to make it a bit more, you know, to speak from the diaphragm and all that stuff. Not that that is mm-hmm. remotely helpful advice for someone who a doesn't know what a diaphragm is, and then <laughs> secondly, doesn't know how to speak. How, how would you speak from that? It just. But mm-hmm. I, I have tried, but it's not something that I, I particularly think that I'm very conscious of or taking enough interest in. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have quite a naturally quiet voice as well. So again, it is something that I've sort of been aware of, but not
1: massively. So I want to basically learn from you here. Great. Well, I think that what you raise is really fascinating for a a few reasons. And I think the first thing to share is actually what what you talk about there with your voice in terms of trying to dial up awareness around it, but sometimes not always doing so, actually is a, a pretty interesting thing in terms of how our voices and where they default to and how they naturally work. And actually that serves us in so many ways. And I think the voice is such a personal thing to all of us, isn't it? Because it is a, a product almost of our environment and our upbringing. And it has formed physically <laughs> in a way that therefore serves us in those environments. And, but sometimes what we find in the work that we do is that there might be other choices we might want to make in order to better bring to life some of the things that we, we do in our day-to-day lives. And I suppose particularly if you're facilitating or training, Um, It's particularly true for that that arena.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it does affect the impact you have. It does affect your credibility to some extent, Mm. Uh, probably unfairly, but it does affect these things.
1: It does affect Mm -hmm. how easy
0: it is for people to listen to you.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: I think mm. I was surprised I, I, many years ago, I remember I was running a session and I said something like, you know, time's up or, you know, those kind of things that facilitators say. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my colleagues turned around and went, oh, you've got a deep voice. She was a woman, <laughs> obviously. And I haven't particularly, but I thought, oh, okay, that had an impact I didn't expect. So I've been yeah. trying to repeat that moment for the past 10 years. I haven't been able to yeah. achieve it. <laughs> so, irony though. Yeah. But I never, just just by accident, my voice came out just more profound, more... I don't know, deeper, more, I don't know, rounded. I don't know what mm. it was. But for some reason, it just came out good. Mm. And it, you know, made her knees a quiver. And I just thought, oh, God, what an impact you can have with your voice.
1: Yeah, yeah. And what's fa- what's fascinating about that, I think, is also that you, you I guess, weren't, from what you're saying, t- thinking about what your voice was doing. Not at, at all. all. It? Right, yeah. It just happened. And actually, so, I, yeah, just for a bit of context, I trained as an actor originally. And, and that, that was my background. I went to drama school and worked as one for many years before starting to do more in the world of L&D. And what I was really fascinated with is actually all of that training was about freeing up your voice so that you almost don't have to think about it. Because I think as soon as we're focused, and I know we're about to talk about lots of things to focus on, but I think as soon as the focus is too laser sharp on our voice, I think what can happen is then we, we're in the realm of self-consciousness rather than being responsive to a and and actually, as long as we have an, an awareness of a couple of things, and then it's about the impact we want to have on others, the idea is naturally our voice follows suit. So maybe in that moment, I think your impact is to gain attention, quieten the room, enable people to sit up into the space, whatever it might be, and you had a clear intention of what you were in acting terms doing or playing, and your voice followed suit. So I, I think that's... Yeah, important for us just to tee up at the start of this conversation is that actually as, as much as we can have tools and ideas and techniques, which are absolutely important and tangible. It's about kind of having an awareness of them before and then almost trusting that they'll happen if we, if we clear on our impact and our intent.
0: Yeah, and, and I suppose the other bit which we have touched on as well is why bother? As an L&D person, why should I be thinking about this? Because as I said at the mm-hmm. beginning, it's not something I would particularly thought of until I did started doing podcasting and then mm-hmm. hearing my own voice continually, that it became a lot more <laughs> present in my mind. So wh- why should I bother if I'm uh, an L&D person, not just facilitating, I'm also working with colleagues, I'm also trying to influence leaders, mm-hmm. to take, take a more strategic approach to L&D and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So why, would, why should I bother?
1: It's a really good question, and I, I think my response to that would be that there's research out there that supports why it's important for us to you know, brilliantly in your words, as you put it, bother thinking about our voices. And without boring on too much about that, I think one of them is from an organisation called the Science of People who took TED Talks and they ran lots of those TED Talks through some really fancy software that could measure speakers' vocal variety. And what they found was that there was a real correlation between how much vocal variety those speakers were using and their credibility and popularity. So in a nutshell, those that had more views, typically on their TED Talks, on average would use 30.5% more vocal variety. And that vocal variety is made up of things like pitch, pace, pausing, resonance, all of that stuff that makes up this muscle and instrument of voice. We all know of Moravian percentages, which I know is kind of heavily contested, but there's also a sense of more recent research that that backs up why it's important for us to think about it. And also for our own CPD, I guess it's important for us to think about, well, how can we just have a bit of added impact and communicate? It's almost subconscious to subconscious. I mean, you say gave that example where you brought the room back into you, and, and your colleague noted your voice. But often, I think it's something we don't always think about as a listener as well, or a receiver of someone's voice. Do you think it has a, a kind of tangible subconscious impact on how we receive messages and content and atmosphere in our states and room around us?
0: Oh yeah, I'm 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 convinced of this. If if it didn't have an impact, people like you who who trained as actors wouldn't focus on the mm. voice because it wouldn't have an impact. Yeah, good point. You yeah. know, it obviously does, and I think if 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 you notice who you listen to, the people on the radio or, or, or actors or just people in your organization. Mm. You Of course you're impacted by things like, well, even if they are essentially superficial compared to the substance of what somebody might be saying, mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. dishonest to say that it's not an
1: influencer mm-hmm. in how mm-hmm. we receive the yes. message.
0: And just, just because you mentioned Mahabrian, as I probably mispronounce him, no, I, think, probably, I think you said probably, something different. I did,
1: but you, I would default to you. You're, I think. Defaulting, you're defaulting to me, are to you? you. You're, you're probably... Why that? is that? Is that because... I don't just know your you're natural, yeah, you're deep voice. voice. I'd say, yeah, yeah exactly. You see, yeah. it works. <laughs>
0: mispronounce stuff in a deep voice, and... <laughs> but just on that point, because I've, I still sometimes hear people using this research. Mm. You know that seventy percent is body language or whatever. It it's only when the your message is incongruent. So mm. if there is a difference between the words that you are saying, the substance of your message, and your body language, tone, voice, etc. Then the least attention is paid to your words. People read the subliminal message in your body language. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if if you said, if I said, oh, cheers, Robert, thanks for that present, that's great. No, what do do you understand that I said?
1: Exactly, exactly right, exactly right.
0: Every single person listening to this knew that I didn't like that present. Yeah. But my words said the the opposite. My words said the opposite,
1: you know. And that's
0: what Mahabian was talking about. And every (laughs) single person picks up on that subliminal message. That was the point.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I, that's just spot on. It's important to raise that, I think. And it's also of a real interest point to me in terms of what leads to that incongruency in the first place. So I think there's absolutely that thing of, well, oh, we don't we don't mean what we say. But also I think it's the 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 voice, because it's such a physical instrument and the good thing about that is it is immensely trainable, right? But because it's physical, it also then absolutely is a product of what we're thinking, what we're feeling and what our belief system is, and what our beliefs are. And that could be as, as simple as the journey that we've had into the, the room we're about to run a session in, or as we often experience in, the, in this world, something doesn't quite work out tech-wise, or a participant asks a particular question that we're not quite sure how to navigate, or we've had a bit of a nightmare the night before with something, or an email's landed that we've had a response to that is difficult for us to process, whatever it might be. And all of that stuff leaks out through our voice, if we're not mindful of it. And I think one of the things we we might speak about is the, the first thing that starts sound, which is about our breath. And we often in presentation skills work, I suppose, see people where that is really high because physiologically they're potentially under some kind of threat place because of what they're perceiving in the room and therefore breath raises Pace quickens. We lose a sense of range. It thins out with quality of the sound because we're breathing from our chests rather than as you talked about earlier, our diaphragms.
0: Yeah, I think we can all recognise that happening when you mm. open your mouth and a squawk of some sort comes out mm, that you mm, hadn't mm. <laughs> expected, and that yeah. can yeah, that's it's not the impact you want to have, is it? Like so so let, let's move into talking about some actual tips about what we can do with our voices. So we've got three tips. You've got three tips. About um, what we as L and D professionals can do to improve the impact of using our voices. So let's go through those three tips, and then we're going to talk about three techniques to share that that you can share as an L and D person with others.
1: Yeah, great. So three tips Mm -hmm. for us
0: first. Three tips we can share.
1: Perfect, solid plan. And I'm wondering, uh, I'm going to try these all out because. Great.
0: Yeah, I want to improve my voice. It might even tell me where my diaphragm is at
1: some point. (laughs) A behavioural guinea pig for us all, John. So thank you. So the first thing I thought we could raise awareness to is is the breath, which sounds really straightforward in principle, and I guess it is, but the mastery of it um, is particularly tricky sometimes. And the reason I think it's important for us to be mindful of is because it's the instigator of sound. It's the kind of fuel in our engine of what our voice can do. And through diaphragmatic breathing, through making sure we're speaking from a place that is supported from a breath point of view can often have the impact of making our sound feel fuller and it means because there's more in the tank we we can sustain something for a, a little longer so it, it has the benefit of, of deepening the quality of the sound but also it supports our voice so if we're running sessions day in and day out if we're thinner from a breath point of view it's going to make our vocal folds clash and therefore ultimately potentially wear them out i don't know if you've ever had those days where you've got to the end of a session and you're, you're feeling a little bit hoarse a little bit dry oh yeah through, yeah throat yeah and so often that'll be because we're not necessarily supporting our breath so for, for you john and if people are in a position if they're listening to um do this they'd be very welcome to do so too we can't talk about the breath without mentioning physicality um so we make, our physicality needs to be free so that our breath can So if I were to ask you, John, to think about, um, that sound a bit kinky, but think about your feet as we're talking. Okay. Where are they on the ground?
0: Well, they're not at the moment. They're perched on the sort of chair um, leg things.
1: So they're perched, so they're almost like underneath your chair? Yeah, yeah, slightly underneath my chair, on the feet of the chair. Uh Uh-huh, so underneath your chair, on the feet of your chair. Are they both like that? Have you got one cross? No, they're both like that. They're both both like that, okay. Do
0: you want me to put them on the floor?
1: I'm going to invite you... Yes, to pop them on the floor. Okay, hold well on. The reason being, I can see your eyes for the benefit of the listeners sort of rolling, yeah. And I'm rolling my eyes. Yeah, yeah. And the reason being is because if they are slightly underneath you and um, on the feet of your chair, you're naturally tipped what we call off-centre. So that would be causing your shoulders to do something which will be potentially squishing your diaphragm so if they're on the floor i invited invite you to make to pop them so they're hip width apart john so that they yeah. are no they are about that um, yeah they are about that okay great yeah, yeah and then be mindful of the weight so of your weight on your feet so if they're balanced so that there's an even weight between the the balls of your feet and the heels of your feet okay. that'll be the dream rather than kind of like tip, well my weight off, i mean
0: like. i'm sitting down so my weight is obviously mainly Going through the chair rather than on, the, on, on yes, the feet, but, but yeah, of course. If, if yeah, I were standing, up, yeah, okay.
1: Residual weight also. I think if you're sitting is evenly balanced. Fun, and, and then, Jogs, Think about the alignment between your hips and your shoulders. So if you bring yourself to a point where your shoulders are sort of gently above your hips, rather than tip too far back or forward, that's good. And then just imagining there's a piece of string from the very top of your head lifting you into the heavens or sky. Nice.
0: What's this string doing? So
1: the string's just lifting. <laughs> it's just gently lifting you upwards. All right, so, so you're I'm not just slouching. About, like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's so your
0: polite relax. way of saying stop slouching. Yeah, sit up.
1: Okay. All right. Lovely. And I just... Uh, how does that feel?
0: Uh, it feels good, actually. Yeah. It does feel like a healthier right. sitting position than where I was. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Nice. My sort of slumped up, exhausted ball. Yeah. That I was in Before Nip we started week slump. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Right, but it's interesting, isn't it, because I think they... Yeah, yeah, no, um, it does feel better, actually. Yeah, body, good, good. I mean, it's not something we would do all the time, right? And it's not probably fair of us to go, well, we always have to be like this. But just from a physicality point of view, you look to me, and to describe it to those listening, you look really grounded, you look centred, He is really confident. And from a physical point of view, what it's doing, it's just allowing more space to let in some air, essentially. Right, okay. So before we talk about air... I'd like you just to tell us, John, what you what you had for breakfast this morning. I had a coffee,
0: and that's about all. So I didn't have much time for breakfast this morning. Great. So I, had a, I rushed and had a quick coffee and then had to turn my computer on far too early. I was still very bleary-eyed, but so I'm actually still waiting to have breakfast.
1: You're still waiting to have breakfast? Even though it's, what, 11.56. huh. okay. So, <laughs> so you're yet to have breakfast? Yeah. All right, so if I were to invite you to share share that with us once more in a, a kind of pithy sentence, so if I asked you, "What what did you have for breakfast?" What would it coffee would be coffee. coffee. Is that too pithy? Is but I would yours? say, yeah, you, you nailed the pithy brief, but probably, <laughs> probably <laughs> too much. So, um, okay. yeah, coffee. You could share that you didn't have time, whatever it might be. You so say if you would elongate that sentence a little bit more, would It.
0: I had a coffee with milk on its own.
1: Beautiful. I had coffee with milk on its own. fab. I'd invite you to take your hand, John, and put it on your belly button. Okay. Um, and take a few breaths. And as you breathe, see if you can keep your chest still. And as you breathe in, you push your hand out.
0: Hang on a minute. <laughs> what am I doing? We're breathing and pushing my, the hand that's on so my belly button out. The hand out. that's on your okay. belly button, All right, hold exactly. On. So
1: the, yeah, that's it.
0: Okay, I think, yeah, I
1: was doing that. Yeah. yeah, great. Perfect, you were, yeah. And if you look at yourself on your screen, so you can see your reflection on the on Google Meet we're on, see if you can do it whereby your chest doesn't raise. So at the moment as you're breathing in, your chest is uh, expanding. Is it? And invite. Yeah, it's going up like this. So just see if you can lower that breath even further.
0: Oh, hang on. No. Yeah,
1: that's better. No, nice. oh,
0: is it? I have no idea anymore. Yeah, no, oh, I, can feel I, I know, can feel. I can feel my belly um, getting
1: uncomfortably large as I. think okay, yeah, That's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. As I that's breathe
0: it. in, but um, that's
1: that's that's correct. So as you breathe in, it should expand. Yeah. Okay. It was doing and that. your belly. Yeah. Great. And then as you breathe out, it sort of resets so your belly, but almost goes yeah. towards your spine. <laughs> Not quite all the way, unfortunately. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My knee there. Yeah. Great. So I'd invite you to do that once more. So take an intake okay. of breath. As you breathe out this time, share with us what you had for breakfast on the exhale.
0: I had coffee with milk on its own. Beautiful.
1: Is that what I did? Did I do that right? Yeah, you did that right. Yeah, because so I felt pushing insulin. the
0: breath from my throat. From your throat. I didn't, yeah.
1: I didn't. That's interesting. You felt. So what was the feeling that you had? I don't
0: know. Well, I suppose that's where, where when you speak, you activate... Your vocal cords. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. I don't know. But I mean, you do yeah. push subconsciously push breath up your Mm -hmm. windpipe Mm -hmm. and i just felt i was pushing from there. i didn't feel i was pushing from a diaphragm okay hang on a
1: minute try try it once more for us and then we're going to reset and go back to the first version so if you take an intake of breath into your belly and just think as you speak your belly is moving towards your spine (laughs) i don't know what to do
0: i just don't have the i don't know how to activate the bits that i need to activate of my body hold on i'm gonna do this once more You were doing
1: it. You were nailing it. By the way, it wasn't. um, It was in mind.
0: I had coffee with milk um, on its own. Great.
1: Release all of that. Forget about that. Okay. Um, Put your feet behind you on your chair. Slap your shoulders as you were. Okay. That's it. Um, And then tell us what you had for breakfast. I had coffee with milk on its own. Great. And pause there. Do you feel a difference between those two states? Um. I, well,
0: physically, more than anything, I definitely feel mm. a difference. But obviously, because yeah. I'm, I don't, I'm not comfortable doing the diaphragm thing. I don't kind of know what I'm doing with sure. that. Fine. So therefore, yeah. there's, there's a certain awkwardness. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Could could you hear a difference in the in the quality of the voice?
1: I think there's a slight difference. I would say. And it's interesting this work as, as activists we spend sort of three years just freeing up our diaphragm and then linking sound to breath. So there's a kind of whole suite of exercises I could invite us to do, which I won't for the purposes of time, <laughs> around how to engage that diaphragm. But I think what's interesting to note is your response to that, both from a, well, physically it felt different, but also not quite being sure of it. Because I suppose what we don't want to do is push people into a place where it doesn't feel right or we stood in a room feeling like we can't breathe because <laughs> we're doing an exercise yeah. and we don't know how to do it. But
0: how how could I get a bit more natural at that? So would, maybe it's not yeah. gonna be
1: perfect, you
0: know, Laurence Olivier type level of whatever, but or opera singing. But I mean just to be able to a bit more naturally feel like it's coming from where it's supposed to come from.
1: I think rightly saying so, not Laurence Olivier, because that sentence sort of he had a really old schooly kind of um, yeah acting approach, and I think um not necessarily applicable to, to our worlds, but I, my thought would be in terms of how to get more comfortable with that is just to just to be mindful of deepening breath before you're going to speak so once you're up and running, don't think about it, but if you're at your desk and you're doing some admin bits and pieces or you're on your way into a session um on the train or if you're driving in, just thinking about lowering that breath. So it's slightly deeper. I'm trying to lower mine now. And if I stop activating my diaphragm, this is where my voice goes. So there's a slight difference. I can feel there's a yeah. vocal creak that's come in. Whereas if it's deeper, it creates a slightly more fuller breath-like sound.
0: Yeah, there was definitely a difference
1: then in your voice, yeah. Great. Okay. I'm glad you can hear that. It's very nuanced, but I suppose it also is about what feeling that evokes in us, I think, when we're running sessions. And some of that is about feeling grounded and connecting to breath.
0: Okay. So it's about just practising that deep breathing, just trying to remember to take deeper breaths before speaking mm-hmm. and trying to get your stance or seating position, you know, roughly speaking, a bit more centred, a bit more a bit less slouchy.
1: Exactly. Those right. kind of yeah. things
0: which Brilliant. I mean, okay well I, I think I can do that without I mean I, I am intrigued by your the the exercises that you would have learned to more professionalize this uh, as mm-hmm. well but I I, I think as a, a starting point I think that's quite a good um, bundle of things that we can probably fairly easily keep front of mind
1: and it's about I think also not uh, tricking ourselves into thinking that we're doing deep breaths so w- what was interesting to me when we were doing that is I raised your awareness to Breath in your chest. And I think your response was something like, Oh, am I? And um, because we don't always yeah, yeah. know what's happening. And actually, your breath was in your chest. So the reason it's in that maybe you're beginning to go, Oh, this feels is it, odd is could be recalibrating and retraining ourselves to make sure that breath is genuinely Because when we say deep breath, it can go up into our chest, which then means that there's a, a vocal fold push, which can lead to that hoarseness as opposed to a, a centered grounded breath.
0: I mean, that is obviously where your lungs are. So yeah, and, yeah. and you're, either the lungs are bigger than I realize and they go further down. Is that what you're basically saying? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not putting the breath anywhere
1: else, am I? Is it just that it goes no, no, further exactly. down? Yeah. yeah they're just it's just bigger it's, than we think. The, yeah, they're huge. right down to our toes. No, they don't. I guess it's the, the muscles, so the diaphragmatic muscle that expands and contracts in order to take in and then release air. So it's recalibrating the way that you take in breath so that you get more capacity out of your lungs, if, of course, you're lucky enough to have healthy lung capacity. I know that these exercises, we're not talking necessarily about tweaks we might make if we are, for example, asthmatic. It, it's that other conversation about amendments we make in order to support that. But in a nutshell, it's ultimately deepening the breath because the, the way in which you take it is in is different, muscularly. It's not a word, but you know what I mean? Yeah, and, that, and it I might mean that i yeah, our ribs start to expand as well. So, as our, as our lungs fill up with air, there's a whole other suite of exercises about how we can swing our rib cage open oh in order to, to allow it to expand. Yeah. But, alas, fairly technical if we are in the Olivier space at the National, which maybe one day, but not quite
0: yet. Not, no, not, not now. Let's move on to your second tip.
1: Great. Right. This, I suppose, is more of the tips and tricks side of things that we might look at when we're we're delivering sessions or delivering messages. And that's really where we might emphasize things in order to give weight to some of the elements of our message. If there's key learning points or key words that we we want to land in a space, be worth us thinking about how we want to lift them out of our sentences so that we help an audience know and so that we can tee up what, what the important factors are of what we're saying. And there's a few key ways that we might emphasise certain words. There's three for the purposes of our time together. And the first one is what we call elongation, which is how we can elongate the vowels in our words. So if we were to talk about what you had for breakfast this morning, what would be the most important thing for you in that sentence to emphasise?
0: Well, considering there's only one thing I had. <laughs> if you'd told me beforehand I
1: was, I've had a really bigger breakfast, to give a better example here. No, no, but I think it's important because you um, also said you didn't just say coffee, you said you had it with milk, and it's because you didn't have much time, I think, was what you were talking
0: about. So um, I l- Let's let's say the main point being that I actually didn't have time because nobody right, actually okay. cares what I have for breakfast.
1: Okay, I beg to differ, If room, there isn't... You're
0: awfully <laughs> kind. But if there is an interesting part to this story, and that's a big if, it's the fact that I was quite squashed for time.
1: Quite squashed for time. Okay. So thinking about this word time, that might be the thing we think about emphasising. So there's ways you can do that. You can elongate the time. So that you could share with us, you know, I had coffee this morning because I didn't really have much time. And that's what you draw out. You might pitch up the word time because I didn't really have much time. And you might just lift it ever so slightly in pitch. Or you might pause just before the word. Was because I didn't really have much time. And that's where you land things. Just so it doesn't get lost in the sentence. Exactly, yeah. Because if you're evenly waiting it, so if you're evenly waiting, I got up this morning and I had coffee because I didn't have much time. We'd, we'd, what's more important is it that you had coffee and you want to relish in the detail of what that was vocally. Or is it because actually you want us to know that you're you're quite time poor at the moment, or certainly this morning? So it's about finding ways in to lift elements of your message. And when we work with lots of individuals, particularly in things like presentations, which I suppose isn't too dissimilar from the world of delivering messages in a facilitative capacity. There's something around, we, we move through things often fairly swiftly, not necessarily knowing what needs more weight or what needs less weight so it can help to tee up our core messages.
0: And, and one thing about that is we should never underestimate people's capacity to not listen to what you're saying. And no matter how well you say it, the things that people miss, I think, is, is incredible. And I've, I, I, I once ran a session, and I, and I said at the very beginning of the session, I will be sharing these slides afterwards. And I repeated it. That same comment at the very beginning, and I said, are there any questions? And nobody asked the question. And I said, well, one question sometimes people ask is, am I going to share the slides after? And the answer is, yes, I'm going to share the slides after. And then at the end of the session, I said, I'm going to share the slides after, once you've done the evaluation. And you come back, I'm going to share the slides. And then when people came back, I said, right, I'm going to share the slides. Are there any questions? And someone said, can you guess what they asked?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it didn't matter how many times I said it, there was at least one person that hadn't heard those five or six times that I said it. And I kind of almost did it as a sport. Mm-hmm. I overdid it because I just wanted to see if I would still get the question. And it really is surprising that people don't listen. So the more that just because you said it doesn't mean it's been mm-hmm. been mm-hmm. heard. And therefore, the more of these kind of things that you're talking about, the elongation, the pitch, the pausing, that mm-hmm. again, just triggers people's ears to catch again.
1: I think they're all more useful. Absolutely. And and they're often typically, you know, we know again through a whole wealth of research is that audiences tend to, and I, and I use audience in the sense of participants or one-to-one interactions, whatever it might be, tend to listen to when they notice patterns. So if, if they are hearing things in a similar way, brains often can go, all right, we know what's coming. So there's ways of doing those vocal pattern disrupts without us sounding like we're You know, bouncing off the walls of just, you could deliver that same message using these different techniques and applying a different one each time almost so that the message lands in multiple different ways in order to keep that engagement high. Not that, of course, they were disengaged, but I suppose we're fighting so much, aren't we, in sessions often in terms of people's headspace and what, what they're processing and navigating that anything we can do to dial up that engagement is helpful.
0: Well, they go off on tangents thinking about stuff. If that's what mm-hmm. you're actually asking them to do in sessions, is yes, 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 you are too. deliberately provoking yeah. thoughts. So they are going to disengage from the actual what you're saying because they're thinking about the last thing you said or the thing before. <laughs> so it's perfectly normal. But I really liked your word then, pattern disrupts. And I think mm-hmm. that's brains are always, as you say, looking for shortcuts. And if you've got a relatively monotone delivery, it will just, it will just end up in the background. Yeah. A pattern, yeah. as you said, you'll, you'll, your brain will just predict it and miss the detail so yes. i like that concept of pattern disrupt i think that's
1: really good good so good i'm glad you like it i'm glad you like it did you make um, it up I'd, i probably stole it from somewhere so i'm sure when someone hears it i'll, I'll be getting sued i think no, you're allowed to say words <laughs> even if someone yeah. said them before <laughs> yeah. it's okay speaking to my fear of lit- litigation then, john as long as you're
0: not making money from it that would be all right yeah. anyway so pattern disrupting through elongation pitch pausing those kind of techniques i think that's re- that's uh really simple but really important i think
1: Number three? Number three, not dissimilar to ways we can disrupt those patterns, but it's around what we do with our pace in order to improve our clarity. And I think she has a clarity, like clarity, clarity and impact. Should have right became out of Oliver. the artful dodger, was My natural casting. So I, I think when we talk about pace, it's really easy for us to think about quick and slow right so we need to slow down for clarity or we speed through if we're running out of time or whatever it might be but actually there's a far more nuanced way I think we could reflect on it as a tool and that's for us to think about our pace of course in line with our message as you spoke about earlier this idea of being congruent but also how can we play around with it on a word Or even through each sentence as we speak. So we're trying to break down our pacial thoughts into a way that's almost sentence by sentence. And the more granular we get, the more we start to think about that in terms of each phrase within the sentence that we're sharing. And the aim of that is because again, I think audiences can can really value our help and our support in knowing what's important. So if we're speaking and we're falling into this trap of, I must really pull back on pace in order to make sure i'm really clear again we're into a pattern so the more we're able to really give weight to what's important and then speed up a little bit for the things that are still important but maybe not quite as important as one thing means we're just thinking about pace variation a little bit more roundedly so it's it's finding sorry
0: Sorry. no i was just going to say it's, it's it's so it's another form of pattern disruption but in a different kind of way.
1: I think so, yeah. I think I would describe it as that. And also I'd, I'd add to that that it's also about supporting people to understand what, what it is that we're, we're taking in and, and when. And the more space we give to something, the more likely it's people can take things in. But we need to think about the We call it in a the theatre, well, the dramaturgy of it. So, so how do we structure what we're saying in a way that's going to tell a story? And speeding up at certain points has value because then it gives weight to the moments where we, we pull call the pace back down. I think
0: as well that, that there is something about if you are in an environment like I'm just thinking now of a meeting, say, where mm. you do slow the pace down and you make a slightly more deliberate slow comment, there is something in there that that's confident that looks confident. Mm, mm. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think if you're, you know, rattling through your point as if you expect to get interrupted any second, mm-hmm. or you're just trying to get to the end of your sentence so you can shut up again, and, and that can create a, a less good impression. Yes. So obviously, if you only ever speak slowly, people think, "Oh my god, here he goes." But mm-hmm. if you can mm-hmm. do it sometimes, I think it can convey confidence. I
1: think you're right. I think we all have a blueprint in our minds eye of what confidence looks and, of course, sounds like, and and one of those key aspects is. Is the time we take to deliver something. But it's interesting, going back to our first point we were talking about in terms of when your voice landed in the space and your colleague commented on it based on intent and impact. And those things leak through, those thoughts and beliefs, as we spoke about earlier. And one of those things you just said then is, well, I better get through this because I might get interrupted. So actually, as much as we could talk about tips and tricks on elongation, pitch pausing, what we do with our breath, how we maybe think about our pace. It's also important for us to think about what's going through our mind's eye or our heads in that moment, and maybe there's stuff there about recalibrating some of that, which I think that the grounding and centering for some of us can be a useful way of, of just calming and soothing in those moments so that our voice follows suit.
0: Yeah, you mentioned as well that intent, and I think I mean, we've mentioned it earlier as well about what the, what's the intent. So if, if I were to make an intervention in a, in a meeting, then my intent would be that my point gets across Mm -hmm. and that people listen to it. Now, that might sound obvious, but I'm not saying it because I like the sound of my own voice. Mm -hmm. I'm not just speaking because I want to speak. I want people to engage with what I've said, and therefore Mm -hmm. I I kind of will potentially speak slower and occupy more space because I want people to engage with it. That's my intention. And I do notice some other people, do seem less bothered about whether or not their point's engaged with. They just need to say something. Mm -hmm. And that is a different Mm -hmm. intention. I'm not criticising it. It's just different.
1: Yeah, it is different, isn't it? And, And there is a generosity in our curation, if you like, of what we do with our voices. And it's not enough just to be heard and to make sure our voices are landing in the space. It also has to be above and beyond that in some of the technical things that we lean into, I think.
0: How does this feed into authenticity? This is always a point that gets whenever you do anything Mm -hmm. like where you're telling people about behavioral skills, it always comes to the point of, well, how can I be authentically me if I'm trying to sound different or do something different? I mean, obviously, you as an actor, the whole point was to be deliberately inauthentic for for good reasons. So perhaps this has not occurred to you in the same way. I don't know. But in your L&D role, it must
1: have done. Yeah, it often comes up in, in spaces where we explore this work as you as you say. And, and the way I think it could be helpful for us to reflect on that is, is twofold, really. Firstly, that we're not talking about changing self um or or completely morphing our voices to a place that doesn't feel like part of our DNA or part of who we are. And the reason for that is because actually we're we're exploring choices and how vocal choices can serve us better. So in a way, the reframe of that is around where we can still maintain our authentic self, but with a fuller awareness of some of those choices that could better serve our messages. Um, and I think the, the second point on that is is really around the fact that we are not necessarily completely shifting and morphing any of our physical instrument of our voice. So we're not looking at, at accent work. I mean, as a whole school of thought around there about organizations that that go in and and can do accent reduction stuff which i think is so problematic because it's not about that it's about making choices that are going to work for us so that we can land things with a little bit more clarity and you mentioned about being an actor there and actually the best actors i know use elements of themselves to bring things to life so actually they're not putting on robes or masks of other they are always Using any versions and bits of themselves that they have a relationship to and, and just increasing what is shared of themselves with others in a in a good acting world, I
0: think I think that and that's a really good point. I like the way you said that as well about expanding your choices, I suppose it's partly making you aware of your choices that there are other choices there are other if if only you stand differently or breathe differently, there are actually other choices open up for you, mm-hmm. and then it's about what impact do you wanna have. So there's still a you in there. And then Mm -hmm. here's here's some tools that you can use if you develop the skill to do so Yeah, in the same way as anything else. So I I just wanted to address that point because Mm -hmm. it's something that often gets asked, especially with something as personal as voices. And you mentioned at the beginning how personal it is. Okay, let's move on to the second part of what we want to talk about today, which you were going to give us three techniques that we can share with others. So this is helping other people develop their voice, what are three techniques we can give
1: them? Yeah, absolutely. So I think if we're offering others techniques and without sounding like a broken record, tip one is similar to the first thing that we explored, which is around that diaphragmatic breath and linking that in order to make our sound feel more full. And I think the reason I've I've doubled up, if you like, on content and share that again is because I don't think we can... Do the rest of this work unless, in, in as I mentioned earlier, we're from that place of centred and grounded. So tip number one is to invite people to do some of that deeper breathing work. Um, and a few quick Googles will quickly show up what some of those practical exercises are that we might share with others in a session.
0: I mean, that is something that would, I do get asked about people saying, in particular, about their confidence in contributing to senior leadership meetings and things like that, especially if they're new in roles that mm. they are. Kind of how- They're Mm -hmm. very overthinking or very concerned about how they're coming across and their voices might waver Mm -hmm. and they bring in a lot of kind of unnecessary words and stuff like that to cover up their embarrassment. So actually some of these techniques do help ground you and build that confidence and just help keep your voice steadier, which then becomes that virtuous circle.
1: That's it. And you're absolutely right. And and the voice wavering is typically because we we get thrown off centre. If we're standing up in a space, our knees lop. We start to paddle, you know, moving from one foot to the other. We might lower one hit, and our shoulders round, our breath shoots up and the voice wavers because the, the breath is inconsistent and the breath is inconsistent because we're, you know, without sounding too like pop GCSE psychology, we're, we're kind of like 101 getting ready to let it out of the room. So our, our breath is tightening as a result of that. So anything we do, you know, you mentioned talking to senior stakeholders in that space to, to, to see them reset and realign can, can only support the reduction of that wave. Yeah, I, I
0: really like the, uh, the stand-up comedian's trick that if they're not getting any laughs, there's a certain amount of kind of, obviously that's wavering at their confidence, but there's a certain amount of embarrassment in the room really, and they just pause mm. a, a good stand-up yeah. comedian there will just pause, look completely comfortable, like this was all planned maybe even take a drink of water and obviously they're feeling the opposite but that just puts everybody at ease. Oh, okay, this is all part of it. It's fine.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And I've, I've, yeah. you know,
0: similar situation where I mean, I'm, where I've, I've given talks and I'm not, I've forgotten what I'm supposed to say next, or didn't get the reaction I wanted, or I can't remember what mm. the next slide is, or whatever it might be. And just sort of pausing and taking a drink of water, it just, it just makes such a big difference because it just puts you in c- control.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost those like mini anchoring points, isn't it? Those things that just help us go. As it might be a sip of water, it might be. I
0: think this is similar. You just kind of you just kind of position yourself, thinking, "Oh, I must remember to put my feet on the." All oh, right, yeah, yeah. You know, just those sorts of uh, uh, what would hopefully become familiar routines would just help centre you and ground you. Yeah, yeah lovely, yeah, lovely way of putting it in terms of familiar, familiar
1: routines. Sure.
0: Yeah. Okay, so we're doubling up on the di- diagram. Di- hang on, I'm trying to read what you've written here. Diagram, tongue- diaphragm Diaphrag- diaphragmatic.
1: Diaphragmatic. God, I can't read that. Anyway, that word. That's the one. So, number two. Number two. Well, interestingly, we were talking about pronunciation of diaphragmatic and referencing that potentially as a tongue twister because technique number two is all about um, quick vocal warm-up things we might be able to do before we are about to speak, either in an important meeting or perhaps in something like a presentation. Um, I've called them toilet cubicle warm-ups because... Um, I probably uh, shouldn't have made it number
0: two then, should I? But uh,
1: <laughs> Very good, very good.
0: I might edit that bit
1: out. <laughs> I think if we're looking at how we can prep our voice in a way that's going to serve us, thinking about what we started speaking about, which was about actually we do this work and we're mindful of it, but ultimately we want to leave it at the door so we can focus on on what we're playing, the action, if you like, or the impact that we want to have or mowed around us. So a toilet cubicle warm-up might consist of things like what we did lowering our breath. It might also be imagining that we have a piece of chewing gum in our mouth so that we're slowly chewing that chewing gum. But then as we're chewing it, it starts to just become almost like, you know, those gobstoppers you used to get as a kid. Yeah, Yeah. So that we keep our lips together, but if you're doing it now, you're kind of mouth's moving around. Then it might be about brushing your teeth of your tongue, the away from the very back of your teeth, all the way around, without well, speaking normally. What's the, the purpose bottom. of
0: that? What am I doing? Is this just getting Mind, everything loosened up? a great up?
1: question. I've just told you to do it, and I've not explained why. And I'm so doing it we're, as well. <laughs> we're, I know, I let them very compliant, John. We're looking at your articulators. So your lips, your teeth, and your tongue are the thing that shape the sound that comes out of your mouth. So if those things aren't like any muscle warmed up or firing on all cylinders, it's going to be harder for us to lift the vocal weight, if you like. So we can do all of that breath work. We can be really mindful of how we can elongate things, but actually the the shape of the sound is what our lips and teeth and tongue do. So by imagining you're chewing a bit of gum, you're warming up your lips, but moving your tongue around, you're starting to activate that muscle a little bit. So you can go for lifting kind of five kilos, if you like, and then... Up to, I don't know, whatever in the next week might be.
0: Is that something that you would do? Is that something you would do before, like an acting performance? You would be doing those kind of exercises to warm your mouth? Typically, yes, So I suppose
1: each actor would have their own warm up process or system, knowing on what works for them. But typically, that might be one thing that some actors might do. It might be important for them to have a, f- a freeness of how they might articulate things so that they can crack on on stage and fill those bigger spaces. But it's important for us, I think, to think about what we do. Yeah, to say I
0: find it endlessly fascinating how we're able to make such precise sound by yeah. moving, uh, just changing the shape of our mouth and moving our tongue around. And obviously we can't do it consciously. We're completely unable mm. to do it consciously. Yes, yeah. And watching children yeah. learn to do it. I just think it's, it's just such a fascinating process.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, that's got nothing to do with what we're talking about, I know, but I just find no, it fascinating. No, no, but I, I, do, I do think it's relevant. And you, you mentioned what, you know, observing children beginning that process of, of speech and, and of speaking, and I, I think that is where all of this starts. And that's why, as we mentioned earlier, it runs so deep, because we're learning through observation. So also what's interesting to note is when we're in some of those meetings or when we're in a space where we're, delivering a message or some kind of presentation perhaps or session is what, what what's happening to other people's voices and is does that become infectious for us so sometimes we have to go against the grain of what's around us because we will fall into similar patterns to others in order to I don't know without going too deep belong ultimately why accent exists right because we are products of where we are from and our accents are indicators of being part of a group
0: yeah, that's so interesting. So just by copying others, but we will do that on that
1: smaller scale, even in the same event, yeah, potentially. Yeah, I think so. And and sometimes that will really serve us, you know, but other times it means... Helps it, us connect. Whatever we're trying to say, yeah, yeah. And um, other times it might not mean that the message we're trying to land would, would land. Yeah.
0: So again, it's just being conscious and making choices and just using the tools skillfully rather than exactly, being, yeah. falling into a, a, a not necessarily a trap, but falling into a behavior that's... May yeah, or may not yeah. be that the right behavior.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Okay, so the very last thing then we're going to say is your last third tip, which uses something called voice circles, which I've no idea what that means. So I'm quite intrigued about this one.
1: Yeah, sounds rather mysterious. It does. It? Yeah. So this is based on the work of a legend, I think, in the world of theatre. He's a, a director and vocal coach called uh, Patsy Rodenberg. If you're so inspired, there's plenty of books that Patsy's written on on the topic of speaking, ultimately, for for business and, and as well, where I could read of. And one thing she talks about, she, she she calls them circles of presence, but for the purposes of this, we've called them voice circles. And ultimately, what it comprises of is what she calls three core circles or core aspects of what's staboring when we're communicating. And the first circle is, is quite small. And if we imagine a circle around us, and it's a circle of self so, if I was in the first circle, um, I'd probably be kind of quite inwardly speaking. My voice isn't travelling out of myself because my presence is internally focused. The third circle is the largest one that would encompass almost like the whole room around us. Um, in Shakespearean terms, kind of heaven and hell, if you like. So, it kind of, if in a Shakespearean play, which is what a lot of Patsy's work is on, it's like we would be speaking to the gods. And so there's a level of that being quite out, quite open, quite big, quite large. But it's almost like a direct pushing out and projection of voice, which sometimes like, for example, going back to your first point about when you grabbed your room, you might have been in in the third circle. And the second circle is a bit smaller and is almost kind of a holy grail of interpersonal communication. And that's where we're balancing this awareness of self, the awareness of the space around us. But ultimately, our energy is, is kind of almost theoretically pouring out of us to a point where it's kind of not way beyond us, but it's not completely inward, it's kind of evenly balanced. And I think what's helpful about this is we've spoken a lot about intention and impact and I suppose objectives, but just by having that in mind about going, okay, well, I just want to reach however many meters in front of me in order to have a presence of communication, that's enough just to allow our voices to travel out. You know, we did loads of exercise at drama school where we would um, imagine we were holding a a net behind us and then we would, like, throw that out into the space, imagine using our imaginations, and then your voice would naturally follow. So I suppose it's a visualisation exercise, if you like, about inviting us to think about where we want our voice to land. And in those moments where either we're under pressure or we're nervous, we can default to, to often first or third circle. Right. Good to see you. Welcome to the session versus hello. Good to see you. Welcome to the session versus the second circle, which is hello. Nice to see you all and welcome to our time together or whatever it might be. So it's that almost intent of where our, our voice is placed.
0: I like the, the, I suppose it's a metaphor of the different circles about how you project out. Yeah, because certainly if you're nervous or you're nervous about taking out somebody's time or, uh, you know, again, going back to the, the meeting with the senior people, you might be a little bit more nervous about occupying the space mm-hmm. around that table. So again, just not being so inward, but equally not overdoing it, and looking like Laurence Olivier has walked into the room going back
1: to that yes. point, yeah, that's yeah. yeah.
0: no, really good, and I noticed as well you you moved your arms a lot more when you did the third circle thing, so your body language mm-hmm. became a lot bigger at that point as well yes. and I was going to oh, ask yeah. you like that sometimes obviously a microphone a microphone is involved, and therefore our voice doesn't need to be in circle mm-hmm. three, mm-hmm. and actually that allows us to reach the bigger room using the yeah. circle two, I guess, and we may be amplifying yeah. the body language up to circle three body languages. I don't know if there's any thoughts in that. I'm just making this up. No,
1: no, it's good. It's important, isn't it? Because I suppose what we're not bringing into conversation is how how we then adjust or adapt based on technological things, whether we're on a call like this, whether we're using microphones or or not. Yeah, I guess that just affects, again, the choices that we would would make, doesn't it? If we're being picked up in a bigger room on a mic, then we don't have to think about projection too much, but maybe it's the the range that we use, which we could include... Mm in our toilet cubicle warm-up, maybe it's dialling up some of that pausing that we might use. So our focus is less on filling space and more on, okay, what's the nuances of the, of the choices I'm making to, to land on. congruently. I, I
0: think even that situation, if you're using a microphone to a larger room, although your voice will be quieter, because as you said, you're less concerned with volume, you are, but you are still needing to project in terms mm-hmm. of like so that's where the maybe the bigger body language still might have a role to play mm-hmm. even if yeah. the voice isn't so is it is more in that second circle
1: yes absolutely and we know that there's a because it's a physical instrument as i've probably bored on about far too much but we know there's a relationship between our physicality and our voices and um, just anecdotally one of my friends is a really successful voiceover artist that sort of spends all his time recording various video games or is voice of Emporio Armani, I think, or was at one point. And what he says was, is he, he may be in a vocal booth and no one can see him, right? Because um, he would just have his headphones on and an engineer can't necessarily see him. But you notice his body doing all sorts of different things in that space when the focus is the voice. But if it's a cartoon character, his voice might be doing one thing, it might be quite down, quite rounded shoulder wise, moving quite quickly. Whereas if he's Emporio Armani, he's kind of big and open and wide physically because he knows his voice will follow whatever his body does so i think people take nothing more away from our chat together it's about how can we make these physical adjustments that enable our voice to then follow suit
0: i think how, how can we just have more choices about how we choose to mm-hmm. use our voices so that we have the impact yeah. we want to have and this has been a start of that if people want to know more how can they contact you
1: yeah, absolutely. People are very welcome to to drop me an email or find me on LinkedIn. Actually, my name is Robert Kirby, um, and our website is people hyphen people dot um, And I'm very happy to answer any questions without any agenda of continuing the conversation. So if anything's come up for anyone they want to just chat through, they're very welcome to drop us a note.
0: Great. Well, thank you very much for your time. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Very inspiring. I'm like already a lot more conscious of how I'm speaking. So. Thanks very much.
1: Pleasure. Thank you, John. It's been a pleasure to chat and thanks. Thanks for having me.